outside the box of religious obligation lies a road less travelled into the heart of the Father's affection. Slinging freedom all over the place, this is the God Hi, and welcome to this edition of The God Journey. This is going to be a little different because Bob Prater and I, a couple of weeks ago when he joined me here, we got involved in a discussion afterwards about something Jesus wondered about when he was here. And I wanted to pursue it more with Bob. And then at the end, we add Kyle in, who listened to it and gives us his thoughts as well. So here I am with Bob Prater, and we're talking about something Jesus wondered about. A few months ago, as part of our prayer time, you mentioned this scripture that had kind of been on your heart, the question that Jesus asks. This is from Luke 17, 18. He said, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And that's a familiar scripture, man. I've heard that before, but I've never thought about that. I've never thought about the implications of Jesus talking with his disciples, specifically in the context of justice coming for the oppressed in the world. But it's oppressed by darkness, by sin, by whatever. I'm not putting that in the oppressor, oppressed class of some of the political bent of our day. I'm just talking about God bringing justice on the earth. And he says they'll get their justice, but will he find faith on the earth? And I've, I've really thought about that from the standpoint of how will... Will there be humans left on the planet by the time he comes? Right. Who put their confidence in him and not in their ability to fix things for him. Right. And a friend wrote me last week, I sent you this text because it just, I thought it was so powerful. He said, I woke up yesterday morning with two verses stirring in me. One's Luke 18, 8, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And as I pondered this, these others came to mind. Blessed are the poor in spirit, take my yoke upon you, for I'm humble and gentle of heart. The parable of the virgins, expectantly but patiently waiting. The parable of sitting at the end of the table and not pursuing the best seat. A common thread of gentle, humble belief. No forcing or striving. It's the simple, humble faith of Mary and Joseph. May it happen as you have said. And Abraham simply believing what God said. And then this verse. At that time, many will fall away and will betray and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and mislead many. Because of the multiplication of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, Matthew 24, 10 through 12. When I think it's not just charismatic fury, but the religion of Christianity, quiet faith and love have been marginalized, if not lost altogether. Love has grown cold. It's been replaced by the allure of thrilling prophecies, wonders, and God projects, shouts and demands for our rights and the rule of law to be applied to our best interest. A lie has subtly taken hold. That being, Jesus needs our help. What he started, we need to finish. Peace on earth, he becomes via empire. That's a, that's a powerful word, right? Peace on earth comes through empire. So the question again, will he find faith? The expected, quiet, humble kind that joins Jesus in healing pain in the world. Lord, when did we see you hungry, thirsty, or naked? Mm-hmm. Or the shouting, demanding, dominion theology faith that screams, Lord, Lord. Huh. That was powerful paragraphs. I sent it to you because I said, man, what do you think of that? Because this has been something you've been kind of holding. Well, yeah. And these are not easy things, to, but they're, they're things that we grapple with. And, and I, 
I would hope that he would find faith. I mean, I, I, I do take, and you and I have discussed this a little bit. I do take some solace in, in the, the story of the spies being sent into the land, 12 spies, one, one leader from every tribe was sent in to, to spy out the land. And by the way, what were they doing at Rahab's house? Just wanted to throw that out there. Um, Witnessing. Oh, sure. <laughs> Do a little evangelism in there with the harlot. Is that what you mean? Anyway, anyway, what were they doing at her house? Anyway, we regress here. I, they, I know I regressed. You can take this out if you want to. <laughs> um, but when they returned, 10 of them said, no, we cannot take the land. They were frightened out of their minds over the things that they saw. Two of them. Joshua and Caleb saw things correctly. And, and I had a I had an an instance eight or nine years ago. I, I'm pretty sure with the Lord in the middle of a in the middle of a sermon where he began to speak to me. I, I couldn't tell you what the sermon was because I stopped listening and began listening to heaven. And he took me down this road of reading that story. And when I was done, I said, Okay, what did you want me to see? And he said, Well, Bob, two of twelve. And those two, those two were told to stop talking. They had to, they had to look over their shoulders because the other 10 wanted to kill them. Stop talking about it. Shut your mouth. They, they were frightened for their lives simply because they said they could take the land. And so I, I said, so what do you want me to see? And he said, well, Bob, two of 12. Do you think it's any different today? Do you think it's any different? I don't know what that percentage is, 15%, 18%. I don't know. It's a small number. It doesn't mean that the other 10 were not part of Israel. They were. They were the leaders of those tribes. Uh, but the two saw correctly. The 10 did not see correctly in 40 more years in the wilderness because of their lack of faith. And so I want to be one of the two. I, I think I probably end up as one of the 10 more often than not i want to be one of the two i want to see things properly and in context and understand who god is i i think i've fallen short of that more times than i can count but wayne i'm on this journey man and and this this these times that we spend together gazing with god agreeing with god it bolsters me it 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 challenges me. It it takes me places that I didn't anticipate. I, I if you had asked me ten years ago where I would be, this would this would not be where what I saw. <laughs> me too. It's not what I saw. You tell the story to the spies. Like well, at least the two spies were gazing with God at the promised land. They were, and the other eight are looking at, or the other, the other the, ten. To ten are going, man, these are big. I, I did a Bible study uh, a long time ago in which I had a class of about 40 people. And I chose two people to be the good spies and 10 people to be the bad spies and had them go in the other room and prepare their arguments. And the rest of the crowd is the, is the children of Israel. And they can only join the argument of the bad spies. They can't join the argument of the two. So the two come, all they're saying is, look, if God's given us this, then he'll make a way for us. And the other ones had all kinds of scriptures. If God wanted us to have this land, 
Wouldn't he have cleared them out before we got here? Wouldn't he? And they just went, I would, and they got, the room got really, really angry and we were just role playing. Wow. But I got really angry because how dare you, you haven't got a military plan. You haven't got a solution. And you're saying God's big enough to give us the land. Well, you're kind of foolhardy. Don't you know that God helps those who help themselves? I'm just the arguments that came. Right. I was astounded. I had not expected it to go that way. And the, the whole crowd joins in with the, the 10 spies. So they're adding to the stuff they created in their own private meeting before we got started with it. It was eye-opening how easily we can justify our fears in the name of theology, which is where delusion comes from. And maybe the unhooking of it comes, I'm going to sit with God. I'm going to sit inside his love, and as you said, contentment, until I can see something a little more clearly. And then that's, that's where confidence comes from. It comes from what God sees, not from what we see. Even that false faith, which is, oh, God's bigger. He, God can do anything. And we say that like, you know, and then most of what we're saying God can do, he doesn't do because it's, right. we made it about us. Well, and there is nothing more tragic than pitching a lie to the truth and making it part of the truth. And that's what we've done. That's, that's what, what the enemy done. does. Yeah, it's it, it, and it's just and, and it's there's just enough truth in it to make you stop in your tracks and go, well, wait a minute, maybe he's right. Yeah, it's maybe like it's like right. Kool Aid and cyanide, right? It, you can be mostly Kool Aid. It can be ninety nine percent Kool Aid, but if it's one percent cyanide, you're in trouble, right? Yeah, yeah. And I do think that's how the enemy works. It's the half truths, right, that do the most damage because it we take a half truth. And we define it in the negative. We skew it to the negative right. instead of, let's look at the fullness of truth. And now we have a sense that, and none of us are going to see the fullness of truth. So the only hope we have is seeing him. Where's Jesus in this? There it is. And what is he asking me to do? And how is it to be a part of it? The group I was talking to on Sunday from back East, I, I just said to him, I said, I've been involved in this prophetic stuff. I said, you know what? I hope you appreciate the fact that you're asking me questions and I'm answering you. And I'm just telling you the best I see it at this stage of my journey. I, I could be wrong about things I don't even, I'm not trying to tell you anything that's not true, but I sh I'm sure I am because I don't see as clearly as I would like to see. Right. So don't just go, well, Wayne thinks this, so that's what we're going to do because then you're just going to go down the same road again. What you want to do is take what's said, hold it before God. And see what the Holy Spirit, you have an anointing from the Holy One to know truth and error. And when that's not influenced by your fear or your fury, or it's not influenced by those who speak half-truths to you, you will know what's true. It's not, God's not hiding it. We are no, trying to not. find, you're trying to find something to fix our insecurities and our fears. And we end up grabbing onto something. And this is, we've talked about this, someone mentioned it in our prayer time what is it like for those who've invested all their hope in God? Their passion for God has been co-opted by a political agenda. And when that agenda fails, even if they get what they want on the outside, when that agenda fails, how great is that disillusionment? And right. how are we going to be there to love the darkest heart in the room? There it is. And that's the challenge. It is. And, and you know, Wayne, you and I are, are both 
avid sports fans, you're a big Green Bay Packer fan, and congratulations to your Packers. And, and oh, we had Jordan, a good week, but uh, could be a bad week this week. So, <laughs> Jordan Love from my hometown of Bakersfield, California, leading them into the playoffs. Uh, the first year that Aaron Rodgers is gone, big deal. Um, but we we tend to take this life with Jesus, and we want it to be in terms of wins and losses. And it's not that. This is not a zero-sum win-lose. It It's not what it is. It's counterintuitive. The more that we lose, the more that we lay ourselves down and our agendas down, we find him. It's how it works. So let's get back to the original question. Man, when Jesus says, will the Son of Man find faith on the earth? Is that a possibility? We we got we have two possibilities here, I I think in in my finite way of looking at it. Okay, we've got two possibilities. Number one, Jesus was being rhetorical, and was just trying to make a point, kind of like what he did when he said seventy times seven to forgive. He wasn't literally being literal. Yeah, when um, you get to seven seventy one, you don't have to anymore. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, it's seventy times seven, Wayne. That's four hundred and ninety. We don't do math on the podcast, and there's a apparently reason. not. There's a apparently, reason we don't apparently do math is not your strong suit. Words are your strong suit. Math. Okay, so I, so things being rhetorical, he doesn't really mean it. That well, I think that's one possibility. The other possibility is, of course, that he's entirely serious and asking this question of humanity: Are any of you going to be faithful upon my return, or is this thing all just going to go in a different direction? And given the last two. And given the last 2,000 years, which one do you think it is? I, I, you know, I, I honestly, this is like, this is like above my pay grade. I would, I want to know what you think because you, you literally are the wise one here. Well, you had the scripture on your heart. So that's what I'm trying to figure out what, what it's supposed, what we're supposed to do with this thing. Cause I've heard this scripture for years, but it's kind of faded, never, never actually sat down and contemplated. It comes right after this praying with perseverance so the judge will kind of respond to this poor widow's need, and 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 he's not because he's sleeping. And so it's kind of a horrible view of prayer, which is, well, bug God enough, and then he'll finally just to get rid of you. But I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. I think he's just saying it's the same level of perseverance will be important. And then he says he will promptly, God will promptly carry out justice on their behalf. That's what it says. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? And then what's interesting is the next three stories in this Luke 18, where I'm reading, it's the Pharisee and the tax collector, Jesus blessing the children, and the rich young ruler. It's, it's things that say, man, do we get this wrong, continually get it wrong. That somehow our faith is to use God's things for our own amusement and benefit, and not will we be faithful to him in the end. When the Son of Man comes, and I think, what I think when I read this is God really flies on a high wire act. You know, I'm doing something that may not work. I'm putting all my eggs in a basket of love and faithfulness. And will humanity have what it takes to join me there? You know, you, you mentioned you're two of 12 or whatever it is. 
right? Which I think is a very generous statistic. You see this, man, it's a very minuscule statistic. I'm going, yeah, if Jesus could find 15% of us that are trying to, and I'm not, I'm not into the holy remnant kind of chat at all. I'm not either. I just, I just wonder if in the long run, what it really means to be faithful to God is that we could all fail at it at the end and he would still remain faithful. And the whole summing up of the kingdom is, yeah, no one stayed faithful, but I still am, and I'm coming to get my kids. And I I don't know what all that means, but the fact that Jesus, I think Jesus asking the question <clears throat> says this is possible. It is possible. Will the Son of Man find faith on the earth when he returns? And the possibility is he may not. This may be a losing battle. Every generation, just like Israel, faithlessness was more a part of Israel's walk than faithfulness. I think we look at so much that goes on among, quote-unquote, the body of Christ or what we call church in the world. Right. And you could say faithfulness reigns much more than faithfulness. Who knows? I think, I think, I think you're 100% on this, that faithlessness has been— from the very beginning, from the from the very beginning in the garden. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it didn't take us. Well, we don't know how long they were there, but it feels like five minutes. It could be first lunch. Yeah, let's have lunch. What do we right. have? It let's feels like five tree. minutes. <laughs> and here here yeah. comes the enemy saying, and so much of this is FOMO, fear of missing out. It's it's like something's being held back from us, and that was the approach the enemy took with Eve, and with and and that Eve then took with Adam was we're 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 being lied to we're being we're being told something that is not true and so in their in their own you know whatever it was they, they just like you and I would have done we they tasted the fruit uh they believed that they believed a complete and total lie um which is where we find ourselves all these years later even worse, it was a partial lie. They were eyes were going to be open. They were going to know truth and error. There was a partial. They were already made in the image and likeness of God. And the enemy used the words, "If you eat of this fruit, he knows that you'll be like him." Well, they already were. Right. We don't even know. That's the other thing. We just don't even know who we are, and we go on this earth thinking that God is a bad guy who is withholding his affections, and his love from us when, as you stated very eloquently, he has staked everything on this one word, love. That's the reason that, it, it, that 1 John 4, 7, and 8, you know, beloved, let us love one another for love is of God, not from. Love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And this is the easy litmus test to me. Those who do not love do not know God. Why? Because he's love. Yeah. God is love. That's pretty clear. I'm not sure that's a te litmus test we should use on our friends, but I, I think well, it gets, I use it every day. I think it's to the heart of it. I do. If, <laughs> if Everything's in flux. If your quote unquote walk with God has made you more loving in the world, then maybe it's genuine. And if it's made you more arrogant and more angry and more... Because here's the thing, the, the lie that God's withholding for us, so we've got to get it on our own, that, that's one lie. 
Right. Th- then when you come to know God and go, oh my gosh, God's great. He's forgiven me. He's cleansed my heart. I get to walk with him. Now I'm going to fix things for God. That becomes the other side of it. And I think that's it. I think that's we, exactly what Adam and Eve were. That's what they thought they were doing. Yeah, we're going to fix Let's things. Let's go get it. And then maybe the question here, this widow knows her only hope is in this judge. And maybe that's the kind of faithfulness he's looking for. Well, Pete, when, when, G, when he comes again, will people be looking only to him? Or are they still going to be trying to fix things with their own ingenuity, their own power, their own manipulations? And that, that would be a pretty good divide between people who are faithful and people who are faithless. I've still got faith in me to fix it, then I'm going to be disappointed. Well, it, it, okay, so, and and we've talked about this before. Uh, the, the whole Tower of Babel story, uh, to me, is is very telling because you've got people, again, just like Adam and Eve, God is holding something back. So we're going to be like him. We're going to build this tower together to the heavens. And I think there's this stunning statement that the Lord makes as he as he deals with all of that attitude. Uh, he, he says, when they speak a common language, nothing, no thing shall be impossible for them. Nothing. So I, I turn that on its head a little bit and wonder, what if enough of us banded together and we built that tower in reverse instead of from earth to heaven we go from heaven to earth and we're bringing heaven down and we speak a common language does the same thing apply is nothing impossible for us and that's that's the kind of stuff that i would really like to explore is a world that looks like that where we are invested in bringing heaven down to earth which would be impossible. I don't think so. You don't? No. How you why build would a tower impo- from heaven to Why earth? would I think that's impossible? Because then we're well, back no, to Well, no, not God. a literal tower. No, but, but then we're back to God needing to do it. Not us. Well, of course, but at the same time, he chooses to work through us, so we do bear some responsibility here. You think? I, I Yeah, I do. Tell, tell me, tell me, tell me why it's so, but I, I, I know you well enough, Wayne, that you are not the guy that wakes up in the morning and says, you know, I'm just not going to do anything because I'm going to rely only on God. You have to do things. We, we live, we live in a, in a, in a society and a planet where you got to get out of bed. You got to take a shower. You got to brush your teeth. You got to eat. You got, there are things that in the natural that have to be done. And so I, and I think it's that, that reality that then drives people like, well, if that's true, then I must need to take control of governments and I must need to take control of this and this and this and this. And that's where dominion theology comes in. Or even build a tower from heaven to earth. I think it's simply, honestly, the dependence on God to do, which isn't, I get up and don't do anything until God tells me stuff. I'm a human being. I wake up in the world and God wants to walk with me through it. There's things I do just because I'm human every day. Right. But in terms of spiritual things in my life, I do wait for the impetus and leading of the Holy Spirit to go, okay, this this is not my responsibility. This is my response to what the Holy Spirit's giving me. I get it. I think responsibility is where we kind of get in the weeds with, okay, then I control this. 
and I don't think we do. And it said even this new apostolic reformation stuff. Jesus said, "I will subdue all my enemies under my feet." He didn't tell us to do that. No, I agree. He I said, agree. "Go love in the world. Go love freely, and that allow me to do my thing." But I'm doing my thing. Maybe that's part of what this Luke 18 is too. I'm doing my thing, whether you're in line or not. I'm doing my thing. I'm bringing this world to conclusion. Well, can, can I tell you a semi-mystical story? Okay. It might apply, and it might not. Maybe you'll want to cut this out. Okay. There's always <laughs> uh, some stuff I'm going to cut out, but go ahead. <laughs> we, uh, we, this is in all seriousness. Were you dropped on your head as a child? Were I? I wasn't there. I mean, I might have been there, but I'm you not were, sentient You weren't there for your child. <laughs> I was not. I'm not well, that Now, listen, that does explain a lot. I have no recollection of being dropped on my head. How's that? All right. So this was the this was a day about seven, eight years ago. There was a major eclipse that happened. It was an a, a worldwide event. And uh everybody was kind of going outside and checking stuff out. I remember why are you laughing at me? By definition, an eclipse is not a worldwide event. It went through a narrow strip of the United whatever, States. Whatever, whatever. The, the eclipse, the it was it was a beautiful. I was event. there. I'm I'm so I am so tired of you right now. I went to totality. It was amazing, but it wasn't a worldwide you know what? event. You better cut this. You better cut it and cut it well. All right, listen oh, to me. I will cut it well. <laughs> but don't cut me taking shots at you because people will enjoy that, Wayne. No, they I cut like it, it well. When, they like it when people take shots. Unfair at you. shots, yeah, I take them off. Go ahead. What? What are you trying to say about the eclipse? All right, so the eclipse is happening and, and everything is weird outside i walk outside and i'm looking at the trees they look different the grass looks different uh, the sky everything's different and i walked back in the house and i sat down in this very chair and i said lord you are so amazing you are so amazing when i see things like this it just undoes me and i was i was very kind of emotional on it like lord look at how wonderful you are and I said, so what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And every once in a while, I hear those things in the back of my head since I was a kid. And I heard something immediately that said, oh, Bob, you're asking the wrong question. And I sat here for a minute like, I don't understand. And he said, the question is not, what do I want to do? The question is, what do you want to do? He said, Bob, I'm not looking for slaves or servants these days. I'm looking for partners in creation like Adam. He said, so is that you? And I responded like, you know, like a puddle of tears. I didn't even know how to answer a question like that. But I'm convinced that he's not looking for robots. He's not looking for slaves to carry bricks. He is looking for those who are willing to partner with him on this earth. Uh, just the way that that a few of us have partnered to pray about the delusion that has settled in over the church. And so uh, when we're in agreement like that, to me, that's the Tower of Babel in reverse. We're bringing heaven to earth as we as we agree together and speak that common language together. And that's all I mean. 
I don't mean we're supposed to go up and build a literal tower, Wayne Jacobson. Because that's that's what I thought you meant. Yes. Well, of so course, I'm that's sure. what you thought because you always leap to the absurd. No, because go I got dropped on my head as a child. I don't remember. <laughs> A child that I wasn't present for. You better leave all this in. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I don't know if this is the podcast or not, because uh who knows? We're way over time on the other one. So now we just added more. So it's either two or it's not. Nothing. Cut it into five. Cut it into five podcasts. We'll see whatever it is. See when whatever. Kyle, see when Kyle comes back, then we'll know. So do do so bring us back to the original question. Is he gonna find faith on the earth? I mean, it's interesting that that the stories Tell me again the stories that followed in Luke. The uh, Pharisee and the tax collector. About the Pharisee, I think it was all that great for all he was doing. The tax collector was a horrible human being. Right. Jesus blessing the children, unless you become like a child, cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And then the rich young ruler who thought, what do I do? I, I think that the choice here, what, what Jesus is defining by faith is, are you doing it for yourself? Or are you letting me do it in you? Yeah. And I don't think I it's... Think that- couch potato language at all. I think that's very aggressively waking up to a day, Jesus, what do you have for me in this day? And where he shows you stuff, follow that stuff. If he doesn't show you stuff, live to your better self each day. Live to love. And if you don't have any specific insights or directions, just love the people God puts in front of you on any given day. And that will allow whatever he needs to have happen. But those that are still trying to do it for God, whether it's evangelism or political takeovers or whatever, I think they're going to find that that was a matter of faithlessness on their part and not faithfulness. I spend a lot of time with my grandkids. Um, and there, there's a delight that comes into me when I'm, when I'm with, especially when they were younger, when they were just figuring stuff out, you know, like yep. I, I remember one of my, one of my grandsons, he was three years old. And I, I had him for a ton of time while their family was going down some roads and doing some stuff. And so I, I was watching him during the days. He just he just said stuff that just made me laugh. Like I, we stopped at Taco Bell and he said, I want to try the nacho fries. And he took a bite and he said, Grandpa, I'm a man now. I like spicy food. I'm a man. And I just sat and delighted in my grandson. This this thing about Jesus with the children, first of all, if he was the representation of God on earth, and he, he said it several times, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen him, mm-hmm. um, then we know, especially from that story, why were kids trying to get to him? I think there was a twinkle in his eye and a delight within him that drew people. I mean, he was a pretty popular guy on the earth when he was here. Because he had all the fun stuff. He did. He, before before the days of social media, he was drawing crowds. Yep. And and so, but but then he gives us this, this wonderful instruction to, to let our hearts be in the posture of the three-year-old who's a man now because he likes spicy foods now. We we need that childlikeness again. And I think that's one of the keys to, to him returning, finding faith on the earth. Have we become these old crotchety people that think we know everything? Or are we still in this posture of, I don't know stuff. And I'm learning right alongside those that I sit with. I think that's the point right there. But There it is. And I love that I've held on to my childlikeness. I still don't like spicy food, so I never became I know, a man. 
You don't. And and what flavor is cake supposed to be? Not spicy. Chocolate. Well, only chocolate, according to you. And sure, absolutely. Every other cake That's in the world. That's what I'm saying. Every other cake in the world should be banned. And Wayne, you really need to start eating vegetables. Mix in a salad. I do. Chocolate is a vegetable. <laughs> I've redefined my delusion. Good for good. Well, that was what Bob and I talked about. And now I want to bring Kyle into this. Kyle's listened to Bob and my conversation. And uh, what did you think about that? Man, I I was really struck by a lot of things in that conversation. But I think the one that really landed hardest for me that I'm still pondering, wrestling with, not sure what to do with this, is what level of responsibility do we have in regards to action? And, you know, Bob was talking a lot about, well, I think there's, I think there's something that we need to be involved in. I think that we have some responsibility here. I think we have some action, like God's depending on us to a degree. And I I loved your comment about, so we're going to build a tower. (laughs) Bob was like, you know, that was hilarious. I, I, I found myself laughing out loud as I was, we have some fun poking at each other. You definitely do. You definitely just like do. you and me. Same thing. Absolutely. But I like I get where he's coming from though, because I, I wrestle with the same thing in regards to what is my role in this? How active is God wanting me to be in it? Because I understand that following the nudges, following the inclination, like I I enjoy that means of life. I enjoy that way of walking with God way better than I do the the old stuff that I kind of was in where it's like, we're going to, I'm going to command heaven down and the, you know, the, I'm going to be forceful and I'm going to be a, a son of thunder, you know, all these things that we're espoused to. And yeah. Yeah. And it, it was very workspace. It was very human control. It was very human power. And yet, I don't know. I'm wrestling with that. I'm wrestling. I still wrestle a little bit with what does that look like when Father is inviting us into doing things. Like, what is our responsibility? Because I, I got into a conversation with a person just the other day, and we were talking about the judgment seat. And they made the comment, well, the judgment seat is going to be all those things that we missed, all those opportunities to be able to bring God's kingdom into the world and to, to share his love with other people, to express express the kingdom through ourselves in the world. That's going to be the judgment seat. We're going to sit there and we're going to go through a highlight reel of all the times we missed that, missed those opportunities. But to be more of a low light reel than a highlight reel. That would not be a highlight reel. Yes, that would definitely be a bloopers reel. But if we thought of it without shame, if we thought of it like, Oh, I would love to know, hey, Wayne, you missed something here. This is what would have happened if you had, and I'd be going, that's pretty cool. If you don't have shame, if you don't have, okay, what a stupid person. I am. If, if, the, if the default position is we as humanity are pretty dense and we mm-hmm. tend to miss most of what God wants to do. So I can, I can handle <laughs> seeing where I've missed stuff. I'm, I'm fine mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, and I think it's difficult for us to contemplate, what do we do if we're not performing? If we're not, mm-hmm. if we're not the ones in control and we're not with God. And yeah. in fact, someone said to me today, and I love this, control is the opposite of love. Mm-hmm. So even if in the second coming, whenever that happens, if it's God, just I'm intruding and now I'm going to control humanity and get what I want. That would be the opposite of love. So what then does love look like in that construct? And for us to say right now, don't have a clue. 
But I'm yes. very comfortable with the nudges and the leading and the direction rather than the strategy and the answers that come from a scripted out process that we could contrive in our own heads. Because even yeah. Daniel got that from, from the angels. said, just, you know, go on with your life. And when yeah. you need to be involved, God's going to give you what you need to do to be involved. The only thing I think we need to do other than that is learn to enjoy him. Learn mm. to gaze on him, gaze with him, and enjoy him, and let unfold what he wants to unfold. What, what it means to remain faithful, I think, is not to take for ourselves God's responsibility. And we've been doing that almost all along. It's the turning our back on the cross to do for Jesus what we don't think he's doing for himself. And yes, I had lunch with someone today, and they said to me, why is it that no matter what system we create by no matter what well-intentioned individual, it will eventually corrupt those who are trying to manage it? And I just go... Bingo. If that would seek home in the Christian community, then we would have some faithful people when Jesus returns. I think what's, I would look at, you know, well, I find faith in the earth. We're, we're looking at people who go, okay, are people yeah. going to believe? Are they going to be doing the right stuff? Are they going to be, no, that's not what he means. Are there people left who are trusting me to do it instead of trying to do it on their own, which is Romans 4 and 5, the great father of faith, Abraham, he ceased to try to do it himself and trust God to do it in him. And I think that's what we're coming to. I think faith is I'm trusting God to do, which doesn't mean I jump on the couch with my Diet Coke and, hey, I'll see you when you get here. It's I'm being faithful to his purpose as I see it unfold in me, nudge by nudge, day by day. Not I'm trying to create a plan, trying to get a strategy trying to build a tower. Yeah. No, I, I really like that. And I, I I really resonate with just this, when you were talking about the, will, there, will they find faith in, in the world? Will Jesus find faith in the world? I just kept back, I came back to the idea that, no, there's always been a remnant. And God has prepared that remnant in a lot of different ways and has protected that remnant in a lot of different ways. You know, as Elijah, when he's yeah. sitting there and he's being like, I'm the only priest. I'm the only one of God's priests. And he's like, no, Who are you I, I have, what are you talking about? I, I have all these people over here that you have no idea about, but they're in existence. Right. And, and I think about that. And I think about even just the, some of the things that we've been talking about, about this generation that God, this remnant, that God is drawing to the surface, that God is bringing out of the woodwork, that it's moving and shaking in the world, and yet it doesn't look like the brand. It doesn't look like the stereotypical, institutionally tailored individuals yeah. that we would espouse to being the remnant. And yet there's people out there, like we were talking earlier about, there's people out there who have suffered, who have gone through challenges, who have seen God's love and have known God's heart in the midst of those challenges, that have learned to walk in his delight and live in his delight. And man, I mean, that today I, I was in a conversation with a student and we were talking about a practicum that the student was doing. And they just kind of paused me and they're like, look, this is the second class that I've taken from you. And I just have to ask you, what is your, do you have a faith? What is your faith? And I just kind of smile and I was like, well, what do you mean? And he's like, I, I just feel like you have to be a Christian. <laughs> I just started laughing and I was like, 
okay. Well, what again, like why? And he just, they, it launched into this really cool conversation about, I just am look, listening to the posts that you're posting and I'm watching the way that you're interacting with students. And there's just a different fragrance of life mm, beautiful. in the way that you're engaging with students than I see with other professors. And so I, I just have to ask, what is that? And and that was such a compliment. It was such an encouragement because like, okay, Lord, I, I'm obviously not preaching down people's throats in a public educational institution, right. but that does not mean that I can't try to exemplify the kingdom in my classrooms, in my discussions, in the homework assignments that I assign to my students, can't bring his love into those spaces. And for me, thinking about, okay, this is the venue, this is the space that God's called me to live out his love, to live out his life. Sure. And and I love it. I, I thoroughly enjoy it. And and yet to see encounter this individual, they are old, they're in their late 40s. This individual has a very diversified past, let's say, a deviant past, let's say, and yet just a genuine heart to love on people. And the, his their question was. How do I do that? How do I do that in the context of my story with addiction? Because I want to see life through, I want to see the life that I've found imparted to other people's lives. Yeah. And I think maybe better said, it's not you trying to do that. It's you yeah. letting that flow out of you. This is the way you are in the world. I, I think that's what God's wanting, you know, revealing himself to the sons and daughters of God in the world, not because they're trying just because they've gazed enough at him and with him that he's transformed their life. I get always a little creeped out with remnant terminology because almost yeah. everybody sees the remnant for privilege. And whatever yes. sliver of us, hopefully I'm in that, that remain faithful to the end. It, yeah. I, I see it not as we all need to do that, but like like Gideon's army, he, he selected like 300 to go yeah. Because the rest of them just didn't have what it took to go. And then that group comes back as the remnant, and we got the spoils, and we're going to keep the— He goes, no, 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 no. We did it for them, so we're going to give it— And I love the idea that maybe whatever of those in the world who are learning to trust in Jesus's ability instead of substitute their own, that that will be a splendor in the world— that will make Jesus available to a whole lot of people, not keep it in a little selective model. Well, that's that's the heart of it, right? That's the that would be the spirit. That would be one of the that would be one of the flavors of the spirit that I would look for is no titles. No, 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 no. This is this is for everyone. This is for the entire group, not just this this little whatever cohort of people. Someone not building their own club, for sure. Yes. Thank you for traveling with us today on The God Journey. You can join this conversation by visiting thegodjourney.com. 